Hi, this is Ask Mom RN with your host, Tamara Walker. I'm a mom of two, a pediatric registered nurse, and your friend. I give practical advice to raise a healthier, safer, and happier family. According to a report by the National Fire Protection Association, your household has a one in four chance of having a home fire that's large enough to be reported to a fire department during an average lifetime. Even scarier, someone in your household also has a one in 10 chance of suffering a fire injury in a home fire in an average lifetime. Would you know what to do if you had a fire in your home? Do you have protective measures in place to prevent fires? Do you have smoke detectors? And do you have a plan if a fire broke out, how to get everyone out safely? Would you know how to react? Today we're going to talk about the importance of fire safety and making a plan and putting those protective measures in place because Everybody likes to think that it can't happen to us. But the truth is, you have a one in four chance and it can happen to you. Several years ago, I was doing some laundry in our laundry room, which is a small room in our house that is just off of the garage. And it's actually, it's in our house, but it's, uh, you go through it to go in and out of our garage. And I had been drying a load of clothes. I had actually just kind of started the dryer and happened to still be standing outside the laundry room door. And I started thinking I was smelling smoke. I opened up the door and sure enough, our dryer was smoking. I called for my husband. He came running. I ran and got the fire extinguisher. Um, He got the dryer stopped and unplugged, and he actually got it out of our laundry room, out to the garage, and even dragged it to the driveway and got the fire put out with the fire extinguisher. Unfortunately, some lint had accumulated. Even though we always clean out the lint catcher, uh, too much lint had gone beyond the lint catcher underneath the drum of the dryer and built up. And it built up to the point where it was a fire hazard and we did not even know it. We weren't even aware that that could even happen. And apparently it's very common. So it's important to clean the lint, not only out from your lint catcher, but to periodically take off the panel on the bottom of your dryer and clean the lint out, vacuum it out, or they make special uh, connective hoses and lint brushes, things that you can put into uh, your dryer to clean out the lint. Of course, you want to unplug your dryer first before trying to do that. Or you can have someone come out and professionally do it. But it taught us a very important lesson. Fortunately, we had a smoke detector in our hallway right outside the laundry room. 
but I caught the smell of smoke before it even picked it up because I happened to be standing right there still by the laundry room. If I had not been, I don't know how long it would have been before our smoke detector would have picked it up because I had the laundry room door shut. I typically shut it when the dryer's running so we don't have to listen to it run. I don't know how long it would have taken for the smoke to reach that smoke detector and alert us to a problem. And I fear the damage would have been much worse. Fortunately, we were able to contain it to only the dryer. Nothing else got burned. But within no time at all, we could have had damage to the laundry room, possibly to our washer, and who knows how quickly it could have spread into other parts of the house. I never, ever, ever leave the dryer going when we leave the house now. I don't even like to leave the washer going. I don't like to have appliances going if we have to leave the home. Because there's always that concern in the back of my mind, what if? You always think it's not going to happen to you. But the truth is it can. Another time that we had a fire scare was back when my kids were very young. And it was winter time. It was February. It was a Friday. And the reason I remember that, it was a Friday in February. It was snowing. And it was that weekend ended up being the coldest weekend Um, in our area in over 100 years. We had lots of snow on the ground. It was very cold, and I believe that it was 1996. My kids were very young. They were toddler and preschool age. And I was doing daycare in my home at the time. It was kind of the middle of the day, middle of the afternoon, actually. Um, I was talking on a, on the phone to one of my best friends while the kids were napping. And suddenly, our smoke detector went off. And I thought, well, what on earth is going on? So I immediately started investigating. I could not find any source of smoke inside the house. And it wasn't until I checked the garage, I realized that I was smelling smoke from where our water heater is located. I'm sorry, uh, where our water heater and our furnace to heat the house are located. And I immediately was gathering up the kids, getting them ready to go outside and, you know, trying to quickly get everybody gathered. We're going outside And fortunately, there wasn't flames yet, but there was smoke in our garage. And and so I was trying to get everyone out of the house as quickly as I could. I had told my friend on the phone, hey, please, um, I need you to call the fire department and get them sent to my house. And I'm getting the kids out of the house right now. So she called the fire department for me, and I rushed the kids outside And I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's, you know, freezing outside. There's snow on the ground. You know, these babies are, a lot of them had come to my house in their 
winter pajamas. Um, and I think my kids were still in their pajamas and barefoot because we weren't planning to play outside that day. We were just going to, you know, stay indoors and stay warm. And now we're having to rush outside and they're not properly dressed for the weather other than I think, you know, we grabbed their coats. And thank God my neighbor across the street happened to be pulling in his driveway just as we were running out into the yard. And he saw us and he said, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, he looked at me like, are you insane <laughs> bringing these children outside in this weather and they're not even dressed for it? And I told him what was happening. I said, there's, you know, my smoke detectors are going off. I'm, I think that there's smoke in the garage. I'm smelling smoke. Um, but the fire department's on their way. Thankfully, he helped me get the kids over into their house so that they could keep warm and stay safe. And um, I called my husband. He came rushing home. And the fire department, of course, showed up. And they were able to thankfully uh, prevent any damage from happening other than to our furnace. Thank God there wasn't additional damage because there was smoke, but the flames had not actually started coming out of the furnace quite yet. They said when they opened up the door to the furnace, the flames were just starting. So... Thank God for very sensitive smoke detectors that picked up the ionic particles in the smoke before there was even visible smoke and before there were flames. I'm so incredibly grateful for that because the smoke detector going off is what first alerted me to a problem. I was able to get everybody out safely and our home ended up being okay because the firefighters got there in time and took care of it. But it's always been something that I realize we were the lucky ones. Not everyone is so lucky. I've personally known many people who have lost homes to a fire. Heartbreaking. It's devastating. And it's scary. Would you know what to do if it happened to you? Do you have those protective measures in place? We're going to talk about what you need to do to protect your family and what to do, what not to do, should you have a fire break out in your home. So seven ways that you can prepare for a home fire and try to prevent further problems. First of all, first and foremost, have smoke detectors. I can't stress this enough. When I hear of people say they don't have smoke detectors or they have smoke detectors, but, um, you know, their battery ran low and they haven't replaced the battery. Or even just yesterday, I was reading on Facebook of someone who was complaining about their smoke detector chirping because the battery was low. And so they disconnected the battery and they've just left it because it's just too annoying. And that just makes me want to shake my head and say, what are you thinking? 
It's not going to do you any good if you don't have it running properly, if you don't have good batteries in it. Why have it at all? What's going to happen if you have a fire break out when you're sleeping? Are you going to wake up because of the smoke? A lot of people think, oh, yeah, you know, the smoke could wake me up in plenty of time. Or, oh, my dog or my cat, they would wake me up because they would smell the smoke. Yeah. Honestly, there's no guarantee of that. And a lot of people end up dying from smoke inhalation in a fire in their sleep without even waking up because the smoke gets to them first. You need to have working smoke detectors in your home. And depending on the size of your home and the floor plan and the layout, you need to find out where your smoke detectors need to be located and how many you need. And there's lots of information online that you can find for that. You can also, if you're not sure, contact your local fire department. They will be more than happy to come show you. They, they can come out and they can show you where the best places to have your smoke detectors are and how many you need. They can even install them for you. And if you can't afford smoke detectors, most fire departments have them available for free. Easy peasy. Call them up. Ask them, can they come out and bring a smoke detector or multiple, depending on how many you need and how large your home is. They can come out and do that because they want to protect you. They would rather install fire detectors in your home than to have to come out and fight a fire. So there's no excuses for not having a smoke detector. And you need to test them once a month to check and make sure they're still in proper working order and to check the batteries. And you need to replace the batteries at least once a year. Many times we recommend daylight savings time twice a year. Replace your batteries. The smoke detector won't do you any good if the battery is dead. And the reason it makes that annoying freaking chirping sound when the battery is low or when the battery dies is because it's trying to alert you, hey, you need a new battery. Don't ignore it. And don't just unplug the battery and say, oh, it's just too annoying and too much trouble. You could be putting your family at risk if you do that. You want to teach your children what the smoke alarms sound like and what they need to do when they hear it. Develop a plan. Make a fire safety plan. When my kids were little, we would do fire drills. Partly because I wanted my kids to know what to do should we ever have a fire, but also because as a licensed daycare home, I was required to do fire drills with my daycare children. And I wanted to make sure that if we had a fire, our kids knew what to do and that all my daycare children knew what to do. So even as young as they were, and I'm talking toddler and preschool age, when we had the fire in our furnace that caused me to have to take those children out 
into the front yard and then eventually over to my neighbor's house in the snow in freezing below freezing temperatures. Even at toddler and preschool age, these kids knew what to do. They didn't panic. Yes, they were a little scared, of course. I was kind of scared too. But instead of freaking out and panicking, they knew to follow my direction. They knew where we were going. And we didn't have a problem because we had a plan. Make a plan, make a, make a, you know, draw out a picture of your home and the layout and talk about how you could escape. It's a good idea to come up with two ways to escape from each room. So typically that's going to be through a doorway and through the window. Because say you're in a bedroom and the fire's on the other side of the door, and you can't get out of your bedroom through the door, then you're going to have to go out the window. If you have a two- or three-story home, you need to make sure you have a fire ladder so that you have that available and you have the option of going out the window right there ready for you should you need it. Make a plan. Go through fire drills with your family. Your kids that are school age, they do fire drills at school. Do fire drills at home. Establish a meeting spot outside of your home where everyone can meet up. This is so important. If everybody scatters in different directions and you don't know where one of your kids has gone, You may not know whether they made it out of the house or not. That's a terrifying, horrible feeling. Make sure they know where to go. So in our home, our mailbox is out near the street. So I told our kids, if you hear the smoke detector go off, you go outside and you go to the mailbox. That's our meeting spot. It was easy for them to remember. It was far enough away from the house to protect them. And they knew that's where we're going to be. We are going to meet at the mailbox. Make sure that your kids know how to call 911. Practice it with them as soon as they are old enough to start to understand, and usually preschool age, they are able to start understanding how to call 911. Make sure they know how to do that, just in case they are the ones that have to. Teach your family that if their clothes should catch on fire, to do the stop, drop, and roll method to put the fire out. Immediately stop running, drop on the ground, and roll around. Of course, any kind of burns, any kind of smoke inhalation is going to require that you get checked out. Even if you think that it's mild smoke inhalation or a minor burn, you need to get medical assessment to make sure that you're okay. 
you need to develop some fire-safe habits with your family. So, for instance, keep items that can catch fire at least three feet away from anything that gets hot, such as a stove, space heaters, curling irons that are turned on, or hair straightener, anything that generates heat could potentially catch something on fire if it's up against it or too close. Unfortunately, smoking materials are the leading cause of residential fire deaths in the United States. So if you smoke, then you need to take precautions. Smoke outside. Choose fire-safe cigarettes. Never, ever, 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 ever smoke in bed. Even if you think, oh, I'm wide awake, I won't fall asleep. Believe me, I've known people who have burned themselves or burned a hole in their mattress or burned the carpet because they accidentally fell asleep sitting up in bed with a cigarette. Thank God they weren't hurt worse and and the damage wasn't worse. Don't smoke when drowsy or medicated. And don't smoke around anyone using oxygen. You want to use deep, sturdy ashtrays, and you want to douse your cigarette and cigar butts with water before ever disposing of them. You want to teach your kids about fire danger. Keep matches and lighters, anything that could start a fire, out of their reach. But when they're old enough to start learning, start teaching them about fire danger. Not to terrify them, not to scare them, but for them to develop a healthy respect for fire, they need to learn the dangers of it. Turn off portable heaters when you leave the room or go to sleep. Never, ever, ever leave a burning candle unattended. Candles are also a leading cause of house fires. Never leave a burning candle unattended. So these are some ways that you can help prevent a fire in your home. So what do you do if a fire starts? You've you've taken your precautions, but somehow, like we had happened with our furnace and with our dryer, a fire starts. What do you do? You need to have a fire extinguisher in your home. You can buy these at any um, hardware store, home, home supply store. And it's a good idea to even have multiple, depending on the size of your home. As a daycare provider, I was required to have at least one fire extinguisher and it would be in, it had to be inspected and signed off on that it was in proper working order. And it always made me feel good that we had that available and it did end up getting used on our dryer when the dryer caught fire. So you never know when you're going to need it. Learn how to safely operate it. There's all kinds of YouTube videos out there to teach you how 
to operate a fire extinguisher. So you don't even have to go take a class like I had to back in the day before we had the Internet and YouTube. It's easy to learn how to operate one safely. Get out of the house, stay out, and call 911. Yell fire several times and get outside as fast as possible. If closed doors or handles are warm or smoke is blocking your primary escape route, use your second way out. Never open doors that are warm to the touch. If you must escape through smoke, get low and go under the smoke to your exit. Close the doors behind you. By closing the doors behind you, you're slowing down the fire from spreading and you're shutting off additional oxygen to the fire to try to keep it from spreading as much and as fast. If you must escape through smoke, you need to get low. Go under the smoke to your exit. Crawl on the ground and close the doors behind you. If smoke or heat or flames are blocking both of your exit routes, stay in the room with the doors closed. If you have water available, place a wet towel or blanket or clothing, whatever you have access to that you can wet down, place it under the door and call the fire department. Call 911. If there's a window, open the window and wave a brightly colored cloth or a flashlight or anything that you have available to signal for help. Once you get outside of your home, go to your meeting place. And send someone to call the fire department if they haven't been called already. And if you cannot get to your meeting place, follow your family's emergency communication plan. Have a way to get a hold of your family. Tell them, you know, make a plan of how we're going to get in touch with each other once we're all out if, if you can't get to the meeting place. Fire safety is so important to protect your family. Don't think that it can't happen to you. I know that we never want to dream horrible things can happen. But the fact is, is that they house fires happen every day. Just turn on your local news station. Every single day, there's at least one house fire in our area, at least, and I'm sure it's the same all over the country. Have a plan to protect your family. In addition to fire safety, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fire safety lessons that we can learn from one of my favorite TV shows, This Is Us. Now, if you're a fan of the show and you have not seen the Super Bowl episode, You're going to want to pause this or maybe come back to this part later because I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler. So spoiler alert, if you're a This Is Us fan and you have not yet seen the Super Bowl Sunday episode where we find out how Jack Pearson died. And the reason I bring this up 
is because it's very much goes right along with what we're talking about with fire safety today. In the episode, we, we've had teasers before of a house fire at the Pearson family home. We've known for quite a while that Jack died when his teenagers were 17, the triplets. And we've known that, you know, his death was somehow related to the fire. Well, we saw in the Super Bowl episode that he got his family out of the fire. Now, unfortunately, he broke some of the rules of what to do and what not to do when your house is on fire. Um, He opened up the bedroom door, him and Rebecca's bedroom. The door was hot or warm at least, and he felt it, but he still opened it. And um, and he went through, you know, uh, the fire to go rescue his kids instead of telling them to go out their windows or, you know, uh, trying to make their own, you know, way out, crawling on the floor or something. You know, he risked his life and he saved his children, thankfully, but he got his family out of the house and then he went back in. And that's a huge, huge no-no. And the reason he went back in was to rescue the family dog. Because the dog was not coming out with them. And he also took the time while he was back in the house to gather up some sentimental special items to the family. And yes, when we saw that he had saved all these items from the fire. Oh, it's, you know, it's so sweet. It's so romantic, you know. Oh, how wonderful that he saved these items. But in doing so, he was in that house for much longer than he should have been. He should not have gone back in in the first place. And he took in so much smoke. He had, you know, only minor burns, like second degree burns on his hand, but he had a lot of smoke inhalation and he made it to the hospital alive and they thought he was going to be okay. Doctor took care of his burns and said, we're going to run some tests because of the smoke inhalation, but it seemed like he was going to be okay. And then later, of course, he ends up having a massive heart attack, cardiac arrest, because of the strain that the smoke inhalation put on his lungs and therefore on his heart. Even though he didn't die in the house, he died because of the fire, because of the smoke inhalation. He didn't have to. He made it out with the rest of his family with some minor smoke inhalation. Rebecca and Kate and Randall were fine. If he had not gone back in, he would have survived. And I think that they all would have agreed that they would rather have him survive than the dog and these precious items that he tried to save. Don't go back in. Let the firefighters go in if you have pets that need to be rescued. The firefighters have equipment to protect them. They're trained. 
Let them deal with it. Don't go back into the house once you get out. Another thing that we can learn is make sure, again, that your smoke detectors have working batteries and your smoke detectors are in working order. In some of the This Is Us episodes, um, especially the episode right before the Super Bowl one, we see that they forgot to replace the batteries in the smoke detector. Rebecca had uh, taken the battery out because it was low um, or maybe dead. The smoke detector had chirped or alerted them, you know, that, hey, battery needs to be replaced. They were planning to buy batteries. They kept, you know, reminding each other to buy batteries, and then they didn't. They didn't have a working smoke detector. And another thing that I noticed in in the um, house is the only smoke detector that they had was downstairs. Why didn't they have any upstairs? It's a two-story home with multiple rooms, multiple bedrooms. You need to have a smoke detector on every level of your home, at least one, if not multiple. You guys, my house is a three-bedroom, two-bed house. It's about 1,550 square feet. It's not a really large house at all. And we have at least three, if not four, smoke detectors. We have three, I believe. We used to have four because we used to have one in every bedroom and um, in the hallway. But now that our kids no longer live at home, we're empty nesters, and we've converted the bedrooms into offices. My husband has one in his office, um, which is on the same side of the house as my office. And we have one in the hallway, which is outside our offices. And uh, then we have one outside our bedroom and kitchen. You need to have working smoke detectors. Have a family evacuation plan that includes your pets. We talked about that already. Um, You know, pets are important. My family has had several pets over the years. And at the time that um, we had to get the kids out of the house, we didn't yet have our dog. But if we had, then I would have tried to grab her and get her out with us. But if I wasn't able to, my, my main priority was the children. And believe me, our our little dachshund that we had for over 15 years, I loved her like one of my kids. But if it came down to trying to go back in the house and risking my life and risking dying in order to save her, I would have to not do that. And it would have been hard, but... You know, my kids come first, and I, you know, I, I couldn't justify taking their mom away from them in order to save a dog. You know, I, in in this is us. It's admirable that Jack didn't want the dog to die; that he wanted to save the dog for Kate's sake. He wanted to save these other items that were special to the family. But his family would have rather had him survive and lost 
the dog and lost everything else. Don't go back in. You can come back now if you were pausing for the This Is Us spoiler alerts because you haven't seen the Super Bowl episode. I, I just think that it's so important that we can learn so many different things from even a television show about what to do and what not to do. In addition to fire safety, another big concern, especially in the wintertime, that we need to be aware of is carbon monoxide safety. Now, carbon monoxide is an odorless, colorless gas. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You cannot detect it on your own. And it can kill you. Carbon monoxide is found in fumes that are produced any time that you burn fuel in cars or trucks or small engines, in stoves, lanterns, grills, fireplaces, gas ranges, or furnaces. And carbon monoxide can build up indoors and poison people and animals who breathe it. Some of the most common symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning are headaches, dizziness, weakness, upset stomach, vomiting, chest pain, and confusion. You may have some or all of these. A lot of times people just have frequent headaches and not be able to figure out what's, you know, why they're having these headaches and why maybe they feel a little more tired than usual. Often CO symptoms are often described as flu-like. So you might even think that you're coming down with the flu. If you breathe in a lot of CO, which is the abbreviation for carbon monoxide, it can make you pass out or it can kill you. And people who are sleeping or drunk can die from carbon monoxide poisoning before they even have symptoms. Who is at risk for CO poisoning? Everyone. Everyone. But especially infants and the elderly and people with chronic heart disease, anemia, or breathing problems are even more likely to get sick from carbon monoxide. Each year, more than 400 Americans die from unintentional carbon monoxide poisoning that is not linked to fires, and more than 20,000 visit the emergency room. More than 4,000 people are hospitalized due to carbon monoxide poisoning each year. If you follow my Ask Mom RN show page on Facebook, you may have seen me post the other day about my cousin and her husband. A few days ago, on February 4th, my cousin posted the following. Sharing and hoping everyone will get a carbon monoxide detector. We had just purchased two after having our heater serviced and at the recommendation of my uncle. We were awakened at 4 a.m. by both alarms. 
Long story short, the fire department and gas company were out and they shut us down. We were told we should not be inside. My husband shared last night that our levels were at 231 parts per million after opening up the house. If not for these $20 detectors, we may not have been okay. Cardiac issues can occur at 70 parts per million. Please get yours. My cousin Debbie and her husband Joe, if they had not just purchased those smoke de- uh, carbon, mo- sorry, carbon monoxide detectors and installed them and were using them, and they had only recently bought them, if they did not have those, it is extremely likely they would have died in their sleep from carbon monoxide poisoning without even having had symptoms and without even knowing. No warning. Oftentimes when somebody dies from carbon monoxide poisoning, it is while they are sleeping. And if these detectors had not alerted them and woke them up, and said, hey, there's a problem. You need to get out. They wouldn't be here today. And this is not an isolated incident. Like I said, thousands of people have this happen every year, and especially in the wintertime. Right now, we're in February, and this is very common. I have had two sets of aunt and uncles who have nearly died from carbon monoxide poisoning if they had not had carbon monoxide detectors in their home they would not have even known there was a problem I've also had a dear friend and her husband several years ago who made it out of their home because their carbon monoxide detector went off and the levels were very high They just barely made it out in time. So you need to be aware of the risks of carbon monoxide, and you need to have detectors. So we talked about smoke detectors. Carbon monoxide detectors are not the same thing. You need to have a separate carbon monoxide detector, or there are some combo detectors that are for both smoke and for for CO, for carbon monoxide. So make sure that you have some form of carbon monoxide detector and read the instructions on where to place it in your home. And again, depending on the size of your home and the layout of your home, you may need more than one. Don't think it can't happen to you. Carbon monoxide And fire safety is so important to protect your family, especially in the wintertime, but all year through, because house fires can happen at any time. Carbon monoxide poisoning is more prevalent in the wintertime simply because a lot of us have gas furnaces, or you may be using a gas space heater. Um, Another thing to be aware of, with carbon monoxide is never leave your car running in the garage 
always remove your car from the garage before turning it, before you know leaving it idling. If you're trying to warm it up in the winter time, which honestly, cars these days, from what I've read, they don't need to sit and idle and warm up like the old days when I, you know, when I was young. You know, my parents would always say, "Oh, we got to go warm up the car," and and it would need to warm up for a few minutes. Cars these days don't require that. Um, it's not good to leave them sitting and idling. But if you're going to, do not do it in the garage. Pull out into your driveway and let it idle there. It is too dangerous and carbon monoxide can quickly build up inside the garage and inside your car. If you're idling it, even with the garage door open, leaving the garage door open does not mean that there's not going to be any kind of buildup of carbon monoxide. So use all of these tips today to protect your family from house fires and from carbon monoxide and know what to do should either have should either become a problem for you and your family. You need to protect your family. And part of that is making sure that you have safety measures in place. So I hope that this information has been helpful to you today. And I want to thank you for tuning in. You can reach me at momrn at momrn.com. You can find all of our episodes at momrn.com and on iTunes by searching Ask MomRN. You can connect with me on Facebook, on our Facebook page at Ask MomRN Show. And we have a Facebook group that you can join as well called Moms Raising Happy, Healthy Families. I look forward to being back with you next time. This is Tamara Walker, and I appreciate you tuning in and listening today. I look forward to being back with you again to provide practical advice for raising healthier, safer, and happier kids.